Chapter Four of the Combined Maze by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Four. Ransom left Winnie Diamond at Saint Anne's Terrace and went home along the High Street. He went very slowly, as if in thought. At the railings of the parish church, he paused, recalling something. Low and squared, towered couchant in the moonlight behind its railings the parish church guarded under its long flank its huddled graves he smiled for very youth it was here that he had run winnie to earth and caught her the parish church had been his accomplice in that capture wandsworth high street twists and winds with the waywardness of a river the first turn brought him to the old stone bridge over the wandle on the bridge before him in the crook of the street were the booths and stalls of the night market lit by blazing naphtha colour heaped on colour in a leaping waving flare as of torches on either side was a twisted and jagged line of houses brown brick flat-fronted eighteenth-century houses and houses with painted fronts here a tall red-brick modern parade shot up the gables of its insolent facade there oldest of all a yellow house stooped forward on the post that propped it somewhere up in the sky a tall chimney and a cupola all beautiful under the night all dark or dim with sudden flashes and pallors and gleams lamplit and moonlit and all impressed upon ransome's brain with an extraordinary vividness and importance as if he had suddenly discovered something new about wandsworth high street what he had discovered was the blessedness of living as he did in wandsworth high street within three minutes walk of st anne's terrace to be sure what with the shop and the storage for drugs ransome's father's house with ransome and his father and his mother and mercier and the maid in it was somewhat cramped and neither ransome nor his father nor his mother knew how beautiful it was with its brown brick front its steep pitched roof and the two dormer windows looking down on high street like two sleepy eyes under drooping lids a narrow slip of a house it stood a foot or two back between the wine merchants and john randall the draper's shop and had the air of being squeezed out of existence by them yet the name of fullymore ransome in gold letters on a black ground and with pharmaceutical chemist under it in a scroll more than held its own beside john randall the chemist's dignity was further proclaimed by the immense bottles three in a row the carboys mr ransome called them holding the magic liquids a blue a red and a yellow wide-bellied at the base and with pyramids for stoppers under them dividing the window-pane a narrow gold band with black lettering advertised three distinct mineral waters a yellow ochre blind now screened the lower half of that window drawn down unevenly and tilted at the bottom corner it suffered a vague glimpse of objects that from his earliest years had never ceased to offend ranny's sense of the beautiful and fit he had not as yet considered very deeply the problems of his life otherwise in returning every night to his father's house it must have struck him that he was not what you might call a free man for his father's house had no door except the shop door and it was the peculiarity of that shop door that it did not admit of any latch-key every night young ransome had to ring and it was usually mercier with his abominable smile who let him in to-night the door was opened cautiously on the chain and somebody whispered is that you ranny the chain was slipped and he entered a small bead of gas burned on a bracket somewhere behind the counter 
the light slid pale as water over the glass and mahogany of the showcases wherein white objects appeared as confused and disconnected patches the darkness effaced every object in the shop that was not white with the queer effect that rows upon rows of white jars showed as if hanging on it unsupported by their shelves very close turned up to him out of the darkness was ranny's mother's face he kissed it where's that mercier said ranny's mother what isn't he back yet no said ranny's mother and your father's got the headache by a tender and most pardonable confusion between the symptoms and its cause ranny's mother had hit upon a phrase that made it possible for them to discuss his father's affliction without the smallest most shadowy reference to his essential nature for ranny's mother such reference would have been the last profanity a sacrilege committed against the divinities of the hearth and of the marriage-bed but for that phrase mr ransome's weakness must have been passed in silence as the unspeakable incredible unthinkable thing it was at the phrase more frequent in his mother's mouth than ever ranny drew in his lips for a whistle but instead of whistling he said poor old hummingbird it's one of his bad ones said ranny's mother he raised the flap of the counter and they went through he turned up the gas so that the outlines of things asserted themselves and the labels on the white jars gave out their secret gold on one of these labels hydrarg am which had no meaning for him ranny fixed a fascinated gaze thus avoiding the revelations of his mother's face for ranny's mother's face showed that she had been crying plump and yet not large her figure and her face were formed for gaiety and charm her little nose was uptilted like ranny's but something that was not gaiety but pathos had dragged down and made tremulous the corners of a mouth that had once been tilted too a flower-like mouth of the same tender texture as her face a face that was once one wide-open innocent pink flower now it was washed out and burnt with the courses of her tears worry had fretted her soft forehead into lines and twisted her eyebrows in an expression as of permanent surprise at life's handiwork and under them her dim blue eyes red-lidded looked out with the same sorrow and dismay there was nothing left of her beauty but her exuberant light-brown hair which she dressed high on her head with a twist and a topknot piteously reminiscent of gaiety and charm she laid her hand on the knob of the left-hand inner door he's in the dispensing room she said ranny turned round his features tilted slightly compelled by something preposterous in the vision she had evoked whatever game is he playing there a faint flicker passed over his mother's face as if it pleased her that he could talk in that way prescription she said and paused between her words to let it sink into him making it up he is old mr beesley's heart mixture my hat said ranny he was impressed by the gravity of the situation there were all sorts of things such as toothbrushes patent medicines babies comforters that ranny's father with a headache or ranny himself or his mother could be trusted to dispense at a moment's notice but the drug strophanthus prescribed for old mr beesley was not one of them it was tricky stuff he knew all about it mercier had told him whether it was to do mr beesley good or not would depend on the precise degree and kind of ranny's father's headache i've never known your father's headache so bad as it is to-night said ranny's mother as for making up prescriptions sufferin as he is he's not fit for it he's not fit for it ranny that was as near as she could go of course he isn't they had to keep it up together 
but ranny's mother felt that she had gone too far he ought to be in his bed of course he ought said ranny tenderly and he would be if it wasn't for that mercier thus subtly did she intimate that it was not his father but mercier whose behaviour was reprehensible perhaps you'll go to him ranny hadn't we better wait for mercier old mr beesley's mixture was a case for mercier him goodness knows when he'll be in and it's not likely that your father'll have him interferin with him they're sendin at ten past eleven and it's five past now thus and thus only did she suggest the necessity for immediate action also her fear lest mercier should find mr ransome out as if mercier had not found him out long ago as if he hadn't warned ranny time and again of what might happen all right i'll go he went by the right-hand door at the back of the shop and down a short and exceedingly narrow passage lined with shallow shelves for the storage of drugs another door at the end of the passage led straight into the dispensing room outside a long shed of corrugated iron run up against the garden wall and lined with honey-coloured pine under a wide stretch of window was a work-table at one end of this table was a slab of white marble at the other a porcelain sink fitted with taps and sprays for hot and cold water from the far end of the room where the stove was came a smothered roar of gas flames on the broken inner wall were shelves fitted with drawers of all sizes each with its label and above them other shelves with row after row of jars near the stove more shelves with more and more jars with files kettles pannikins and pipkins everywhere else shelves of medicine bottles innumerable medicine bottles of all sorts and sizes giving to the honey-coloured walls a decorative glimmer of sea-blue and sea-green all this was brilliantly illuminated with gas that burned on every bracket to ransome's senses it was as if the faint the delicate colours of the place gave a more frightful grossness and pungency to its smell dying asafetida struggled still with gas fumes and was pierced by another odour a sharp and bitter odour that he knew at the long table under the hanging gasolier in shirt-sleeves and apron mr ransome stood the light fell full on his sallow baldness and its ring of iron-grey hair on his sallow sickly face on his little long peaked nose with its peevish nostrils even on his thin and irritable mouth unhidden by the scanty close-trimmed iron-grey moustache and beard he was weedy to the last degree ranny came near and gazed inscrutably at this miracle of physical unfitness under his gaze the pitiful and insignificant figure bore itself as with a majesty of rectitude mr ransome had before him a prescription a medicine bottle a large bottle of distilled water two measuring glasses and a smaller bottle half full of a pale amber liquid he had been standing motionless staring at these objects with a peculiar and intense solemnity now as if challenged and challenging he drew the smaller measuring glass toward him with one hand he held it to the light and moved his fingernail slowly along the middle measuring line then with two hands that trembled he poured into it a part of the infusion the liquid went tink tinkling in a succession of little jerks he held it to the light it rose a good inch above the line he had marked he shook his head at it slowly with an air of admonition and reproof and poured it back into the bottle this process he repeated seven times always with the same solemn intentness the same reproving and admonitory air 
at his seventh failure he turned with the dignity of a man overmastered by outrageous circumstance mercier not in he asked sternly you would have said it was his son randall that he admonished and reproved not yet said ranny and as he said it he possessed himself very gently of the measuring glass and bottle mr ransome affected not to notice this manoeuvre what is it tincture of strophanthus soda bicarb and spirits of chloroform just you mind how you handle it right o said randy the chemist's small iron-gray eyes were fixed on him with severity and resentment how much said ranny up to three mr ransome's head was steadier than his hand ranny poured the dose aqua distillata to eight ounces said mr ransome disjointedly but with an extreme incision ranny poured again and decanted the medicine into its bottle through a funnel corked it tied on the capsule labelled addressed wrapped and sealed it the long-drawn subtle corners of ranny's eyes and mouth were lifted in that irrepressible smile of his while mr ransome asserted his pharmaceutical dignity by acrimonious comment now then you might have club feet instead of hands that's right miss the sealin wax waste the string spoil anything you haven't got to pay for that'll do mr ransome took the parcel from his son's hand turned it round and round under the gaslight laid it down and dismissed it with a flick as if of contempt for his incompetence at that ranny gave way and giggled ten minutes later he and his mother stood in the doorway of the back parlour and watched the master's superb and solitary ascent to his bedroom on the first floor back it was then that ranny still smiling delivered his innermost opinion queer old hummingbird ain't he mar his mother shook her head at him oh ranny she said you shouldn't speak so disrespectful of your father but she kissed him for it all the same end of chapter four recording by expatriate in bangor maine